That's, That's what right. I've heard for seven years. I heard you. I heard you. And we got a lot to cover. There's good news and bad news. The bad news is we're not going to get to it all right here, right now. But the good news is, is I got the time. Wednesday, Friday, four Sundays or Saturdays a year. I got the time and I ain't going anywhere. Wait, one second. Possibly for me, the most important thing I'm going to say right now, and this is for everybody at home, this is for everybody who bought a ticket, this is for everybody in the back. If at all through my journey, any of my personal choices or decisions related to my life made you feel disappointed or let down, let me just say, Let me just say, I understand if you all try to understand that I was never going to get healthy physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally, staying in the same place that got me sick in the first place. subject to change. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, this could or should have been perhaps um, the last <laughs> the last episode of Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada's feud that we've been working and toiling through. Um, but because that is so content heavy, and it will be the next thing on the docket, we did decide to actually split this up. So I'm sorry if you were looking forward to the last part of that, but um, we're taking a bit of a detour. And we also went to Revolution, and um, that took a lot of time and energy. It was so, so worth it, but it has taken away from our ability to record. But in lieu of all that, we have a very special guest, one very near and dear to my heart. Always. And maybe near and dear to the hearts of other companies around the world. One, uh, Daniel McMahon. Hello. Can I introduce, Hi, Dan. Do I introduce myself now? Yeah. Hi, I'm Dan. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. I am... Shit, I've, I've never had to, like, introduce myself. I don't think I've been on another person's podcast in a very long time. Um, <laughs> what, do I, what do I do? Um, I am the kingpin of Gatecrashers. I am an editor for CBR, and, um, you know, always doing everything. So, hello. Hi. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here, because 
There we, will be a test at the end. There will be a test. I hope um, you study. Yikes. No, I would never spring that we, on anyone. Uh, I love, I'm just going to call it breaking people um, by getting them into wrestling. So it's a, like a small, minuscule drop that I put inside of you. And then it just, sometimes it blossoms, other times it doesn't, but I was successful with my indoctrination of Daniel. The poison monster. Yes. <laughs> so my own bespoke poison monster energy so drink. The first, the first uh, wrestling event you'd ever been to was when we went to All Out together, correct? Yep, that's the first. Uh, so turns out I saw wrestling one time when I was very, very young, but it was like a local um, circuit. But other than that, yes, it was my first live show that i could recollect (laughs) yeah like i think things that you do when you're a kid when you don't really remember like it's it adds to the flavor but it doesn't really count towards the canon of the thing if that makes any sense (laughs) yeah it's just like a um a one shot that doesn't count to my canon yeah yeah but yeah the comic book that you read out of continuity yes and so i started with wrestling when we did the episode on AEW, and since then, both of you have gotten me further and further into it until we actually went to wrestling. I went to the place where it happens. Um, <laughs> yeah? The Ch- church. In Chicago. Went to the church. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the, the doors open at 530. Uh, <laughs> that's, what was, that's what I was told. Um, <laughs> I'll never let Charlie live that down. They were like, yeah, we're going to go at five. Uh, we're going to go early because the doors are going to open at 530. But they didn't open until what? 545, six, six o'clock. Yeah. So we were just standing outside in the Chicago September heat, just waiting. It wasn't that. It was, okay, nice. It wasn't it was that. nice. It was nice. No, it was nice. Um, we did, however, tell that story to our friends that we went to Revolution with. And they were just like, okay, we understand. But also, Charlie, we are not going there. We did the opposite, Dan. What did you do? <laughs> we got there late. We got there late. Wow. Well, okay. Revolution also had three matches in the pre-show. And none never of Never happens. The, never That never happens. happens. And it was all stuff we didn't really care about. And um, you took like three hours to get your makeup done. <laughs> Charlie got all, all did up. So I had to like. I ate teriyaki chicken as fast as every literally. Everybody was like, "Oh, we want teriyaki chicken again." Well, it was a weekend and the mall was really busy, so the DoorDash (laughs) said it was going to take like two hours to get there. So instead, I had to go over there. They're like, "Mikey, you can just drive over and get it." And I'm like, "Uh, "But it's a mall," and they're like, "No, it's fine." (laughs) And so I get there, and of course, there's like the parking situation is just. It, it was the biggest mall I've ever been to. It was, what, the Palisades? No, or, it was the Florida Mall. Well, yeah, but the it's mall, like some, Mall of Millennium. Mall of Millennium. I knew it was some weird name. And there's, like, one open parking spot that's for pickup delivery, and I finally found it after driving around the lot three times. And then I had to, like, power walk into this open outdoor mall and get to the food court and get back. And it was just... Yeah. Even if I had wanted to put on, like makeup or anything i wouldn't have had the time so uh <laughs> it was a bit of a it happens it's a pretty dark room i'll be honest with you i wouldn't be able to see my makeup anyway <laughs> uh, well we were on ramp side you were ramp side oh, for, the, for, for you were ramp side for, for revolution revolution oh wow i think i knew this actually because i was looking i was forward. on i have a reaction image of myself mm-hmm. with william regal debuting where you can see my face 
William Regal is the British guy, right? Yes. Correct. I, yes. I just watched a clip of him talking because he's in the um, he's in the WWE game I've been playing. Yes. And I was like, wait, <laughs> wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so- yeah, they uh, they fired him, and then WWE said or AEW said, "We want you," and yeah. now he's there. Yeah, it seems to be a trend. Because yeah. it was yeah. it. You could play as Keith Lee. You could play as Jeff Hardy, and you can play. You can <laughs> interact with um, Regal. Yeah. So I was like, wait, these people, uh, you're, they're not here anymore. <laughs> and uh, Swerve is on. Yeah, the Swerve WWE also is game. in the WWE game. Yeah. There's a there's so many people. There's so many. Damn. But you know, you can't just tell your developer to hey, maybe don't. <laughs> um. Yeah. They yeah. actually hard coded out some wild fiend storylines. They did. I saw <laughs> that stuff. Which is wild because his stuff is really cool. I like his. Yeah, it was actually really cool, but they don't own the copyright, so they couldn't. They don't own his his bit. They don't own uh, the fiend's mask. No. No. Oh, that's awesome. The monster guy owns the rights. Yeah, the the guy who actually created the mask. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That never mind. That makes sense. And so when they released, so when they released Bray, um, you know, like that was the link holding all of it together. So I don't think they can even say the fiend. They can hint at. Mm-hmm. What is going? What happened with Alexa Bliss? But they can't explicitly. Oh, I love her. But say that. Yeah. I hope both of them end up at AEW because I love that horror stuff. Yeah. yeah. I hope they're happy. Yeah. Um, Bray Wyatt's apparently, or Wyndham Rotunda now is making horror movies. Oh, nice. Yeah, which you know, go off. Like that's a lot more money than you're gonna make wrestling. I'm sure. Speaking of horror movies, CM Punk. Yes. Yeah. Bam. Check me out. Thank you, Daniel, for coming so, in. So all out. Yes. Let me. Ex- I've never been to a live show like this before. Um. And did we already say what we're talking about this week? We didn't. Let me. Oh, let, yeah. me let me. Let me say. You do that, and then I'll, I'll tell the feeling. We're taking a little bit of a detour away from Kenny Omega and Okada. Um. To CM Punk, specifically CM Punk, the best in the world, the best in the world. And MJF, because they just finished a feud um, that took me on some twists and turns, and I think it deserves to be talked about. But we're going to talk all about CM Punk today. We'll also talk about Max, I guess. Um, And Dan, tell us about your experience at All Out. So there are two storylines that I've gotten to follow pretty much from the beginning um, with my wrestling fandom. One was uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page, because that's where we started. And when we started that, all of it was still happening. So I got to watch that all play out in real time. Then I got to watch it finish um, at All Out. But then, no, I didn't. I got to see it finish at, um, what was the one after? Full Gear. Full Gear. Got to watch that Mm -hmm. in the movie theater, which was really cool. But I got to see CM Punk's return to the ring wrestling for the first time in, what was it, nine years? Seven. Uh, Yeah, so... Turns out CM Punk, pretty big deal. I did not realize that when I went in. I um, I was like, oh, I guess this guy came back. I knew he went and did like UFC for a little while. I knew he wrote some comics. He was always something that I, I knew was out there, but I never knew anything about him. But then being in that room when he like got into the ring and how loud and like excited people were, I was like, oh, wow, this is like, this guy's a big deal. But it's not just that. It's like, him coming out was almost infectious in how much he loves the sport. Like he was genuinely yeah. so happy to be there. Like I think he may have crowds. Like he jumped into the crowd, like which he's not supposed to do. Like 
he was um shaking he was shaking hands kissing babies shaking babies <laughs> kissing hands but like the whole thing was him just loving this he's so happy to be there and he's so excited to love that again and it's so nice to see someone lose something they love so much but return to it i'm in yeah. a very positive state also his theme incredible yeah because we'll talk about it more in a second but like he really did fall out of love with it because the amount of stuff that he went through like how could you not like you talk mm -hmm. about like burnout like i i went through burnout and had to take like short-term disability and it didn't help me because then i went back and they just did this like my old job just did the same thing again like i've been through that to the point where going to work the thought of working makes you physically ill because you've just been pushed past the brink so like obviously not to the extent that punk was but like i've been there and people chanted his name for all those seven years it kind of became for those who don't know a rallying cry to people that wanted to subvert the wwe authority like you don't have much autonomy as a fan so when listen to you anyway so well right but then you know if they're doing something you don't like and you chant cm punk it's like it's it's a very toxic mindset, right? Yeah. But it's one way of like, oh, I'm going to stick this in your face that this guy left, right? I think a lot of his character, from what I understand from when he was starting, is more rage against the machine rather than like a suit. Like he wasn't following the yeah. typical, he was just the everyman rather than like a superstar and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Punk's, so um, Punk's previous, and we'll go into it a bit more in depth but um he was always the voice of the voiceless yeah so when they chant cm punk when the authority is doing something that they don't like you know it's it's the only way they have basically of of signaling exactly what they do want and what they do view as you know the wwe's like foibles and follies and then for him to come back and say like all these seven years when you chanted cm punk I heard you, you know, like that, that, and when he talked about, like, I couldn't get well in the place that made me sick in the first place, like, that made me tear up. Yeah. And maybe that's, you know, a little cheesy as someone that hadn't watched all, like, I hadn't sat and watched him through WWE all that time, but that was, like, one of the people Charlie really, really liked. And so I had seen actually quite a few of his big matches in WWE because Charlie showed them to me when you got me into like wrestling proper, not just Kenny Omega. <laughs> um, and, you know, it following the journey of this guy, like it gave me a lot of sympathy for him. And then, you know, hearing that as someone that has experienced burnout and knowing what he went through, like that made me really emotional. It was a really emotional promo that he gave on his return. Yeah. So <clears throat> I have this cute, cause I do want to ask uh, about the WWE stuff. Cause I, uh -huh. I've seen the big, I've seen a couple of big things. And I watched a bunch um, this week and this morning, but I do want to read um, a couple of lines from this Dan Sinker article from Esquire that he wrote about. Yeah. No, that Esquire article is incredible. I just want to read the, um, the end because i think it's the most capturing of how it felt to see this so the first likes of the buzzsaw guitar that kicks off living colors cult of personality his entry music entrance music for almost two decades hit the pa then you can't hear it anymore 
His friend Lou, who's worked backstage production for years, thinks something has gone wrong. That the music is cut out, but that isn't it. The crowd is so loud that it overpowers the massive speakers of the United Center. It is an eruption. Every single person in the arena has paid to see this, has expected this, and yet it is still a surprise. A surprise they've waited for for seven years. A wish they didn't think would ever come true. The camera catches people in the audience crying, tears streaking down their masks. Phil Brooks walks through the entrance tunnel into the lights on the other side. It is like running into a brick wall of voices, the loudest thing he has ever heard. His eyes fill with tears. He drops to his knees on the stage. A video wall flashes, best in the world behind him. CM Punk is home. Uh, and I, I was watching that clip the other day. Yeah. And I, I had to check my iPad because it was playing while I'm working. And I'm like, is is my is the iPad up enough? Because I can't. I want to hear his theme music. And I'm like, I can't. can't. That's not. It's not because of it's. It's so loud in that room that you can't hear it. Like, imagine yeah. losing your love for something and that being your return to it. Yeah, this giant basketball arena that's sold out basically on when a- the Chicago Bulls play. And yeah. JR said something. JR misses a lot, but he said something in the moment where they just gave, you know, obviously the, 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 all the announcers, like, commentary gave breath for this. They didn't speak over this moment, but JR said it was Jordan esque. Mm-hmm. like Michael Jordan, like coming back well, to basketball. Yeah. And like the, the wild thing to look back on this and remember is they sold it out basically on a promise and a make good and a hint. Like, July through September of 2021 in wrestling was the wildest thing I've ever experienced being like a fan of almost anything. It was this little tiny bubble in wrestling journalism that CM Punk might be coming back. You don't know. We don't know. It's a rumor. That's been a rumor forever. Um, but this one seemed a little bit different. Everybody that I cared about contracts in WWE were coming up unexpectedly. Unexpectedly. And so there was just this miasma of like excitement. Literally every week something else was like going on. And I was just like, what's happening and that's one of the incredible things about watching AEW like from the start is it seems like every year like they open the possibility space more by working with someone like working with another group or you know bringing someone else in and you think just when you think they can't open the possibility space more like they manage like I think especially for wrestling with WWE being such like the only place it it felt so confining where like you didn't want to believe that uh, that good things could be true anymore yeah. but AEW <laughs> seems to be the opposite it's like it they almost encourage like just by the way that they exist like a childlike joy of like this could be possible and that's not to say that they don't have um they don't have issues as well but like every time they try to kind of like fix some of those issues or make good on some of the things that fans hope could be possible it's like but they could fix those things right like there it allows you to imagine a world in which this thing that you love is good or it could be the best version of it right. itself like and there's there's so few things that like actually let you do that anymore it's like the same thing as like walking into a really well-themed amusement park for the first time but even that is like 
Um, you know, even that has its issues. Like, I was really excited to go to Star Wars land, but by the time I got there, I was, like, so exhausted that it didn't even really <laughs> penetrate through that haze, whereas wrestling is, like, like it, I don't know, it just finds ways to, like, shock, shock it out of you. I, once, and Dan, you can tell me if this is true, because I always try to say to someone who doesn't know about wrestling that the best moments in wrestling are, like, the best moments, it's, like, the best, it's, like, the best reveal in a comic that you can have, but it feels like that all the time, because, like, it's always exciting, so it's always, like, it's always turning the page and seeing the character that was dead come back to life. It's always, like, something like that. And Mikey was right. They sold out the United Center on a rumor and a promise that like CM all Punk the would be there. Hints that they were, um, like, that CM Punk had followed AEW back, that he was posting, like, it's going to happen again. He posted the he posted the music that the Bulls would come out to in the United Center. Like he made an Instagram story for that. These things that like would never happen. Kenny Omega wears that Cookie Monster T-shirt on TV. The Young Bucks do punk some of Punk's signature moves in a match. Like they do, they like sprinkle all of this, but it's just a thing. It's just like a. It's not a thing that CM Punk is going to be here. It's just a thing that like maybe it'll happen. Wait, pause. I need to ask. Uh, the Cookie Monster. What does that? Oh, CM. M, yeah. Right. So for years and years, CM Punk wouldn't say what the CM stood for. He joked that it was for Cookie Monster. He joked, well, and Kenny also wore a shirt that said Chick Magnet. Yeah. Which was another, mm-hmm. he actually, CM Punk had to give a federal deposition and uh, had to, in his deposition, he had to say that the, they asked him what CM stood for and he had to say Chick Magnet because that was like, back early early like chicago backyard wrestling days he was chick magnet punk and his friend was chick magnet venom and that was was like their tag team was the chick magnets in court was it for the wwe stuff i think it was for the wwe stuff when he sued um oh they sued him or they sued him but it was like for some reason like because of something that happened it was like in federal court yeah Mm -hmm. okay so I know he started WWE small after the indies, right? And like he, he started, was- so he basically built ROH, is my understanding. Like he helped bring ROH, uh, which is Ring of Honor, which Tony Khan now what owns, now? Um, which is just wild. Like that just happened <laughs> again. The possibility space, right? So Ring of Honor is like was a much smaller company and. He kind of helped, it was almost kind of like AEW was now, where it was much more like startup, and he kind of formed the, helped form the locker room, helped um, shape, like, kind of what he wanted it to be and what everybody wanted it to be, helped, you know, train people, and it was much more uh, indie even than it was now, like, it's so wild to think about, like, the big indies that a lot of people know about that even follow indie wrestling are so much more polished, I think, than anything that you look at back then. And that's not to say that, um, you know, people weren't doing a good job or anything. It's just how far technology has advanced and how much more accessible what it is. What are you going to do in 2005? Come on. Yeah. Like, you're going to have, like, a fucking camcorder and record it to VHS, and if you're lucky, 
maybe have something that dumps that to DVDs that you can fucking sell at a gimmick table. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. really it. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and through, you know, that kind of startup spirit, like they were able to shape ring of honor into something that would eventually become a place where Adam Cole would make his name where Kevin Steen, now Kevin Owens would make his name where the young bucks would make their name. Um, you know, not certainly not one of the only places, but definitely, you know, they went from being this kind of indie fed to being a place that got a new Japan pro wrestling contract. You know, that that's where people get like for in two from 2016, probably to 2018 WWE was picking the top guys from Ring of Honor and basically taking them. So they would basically get their name made in Ring of Honor and then WWE would say, hey, work for us. Yeah, they were uh, they were using it as a talent as farm. As basically a talent farm. So, Not, it wasn't obviously like a contract thing, but it was like, hey, we'll just take your top guy now. Yeah. Like, if you can't pay them enough. Well, I mean, it's it's Vince who tried to kill the territorial wrestling yeah. system. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and even Wikipedia says, the formative years of Ring of Honor saw the likes of CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Homicide, and Samoa Joe each become Ring of Honor world champion. So, oh gosh, this is, this is so wild. Um, so ECW went out of business, mm -hmm. and uh, RF Video needed a new um, promotion to lead its video sales. Um, so WWE purchased ECW. And then um, they basically started uh, ROH from scratch in Philly, huh. which is just wild to think about. So yeah, we need someone to publish our videos. Let's just make a new decision. Make a like, new fed. No, we need a fed to make videos yeah, so we can make money. Um, <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So CM Punk was kind of like a big guy, and he did like a tour in TNA, I think, as well. Total nonstop action. Oh yeah, um, everybody's been in TNA at least once. Yeah, uh, and then WWE picked him up, and like he says in that promo, I knew it wasn't going to be easy for a guy like me in a place like that. So I said goodbye to professional wrestling, and I think too, like the way the brass that had taken over Ring of Honor by that point were kind of making it. It was a very difficult atmosphere, and I think from having read the Young Bucks autobiography, it was there just wasn't a lot of money mm -hmm. because WWE was making it difficult to make money. Surprise. And I think too, like a lot of people, yeah. after like the Attitude Prop era proper had ended, I think a lot of people got out of professional wrestling, like stopped being interested in it as a hobby. Yeah. So there just wasn't a lot of money. I mean, that's why the Bucks were so important, because they proved that you didn't have to go to WWE to make right. money. Right, Because you could, you know, make yourself a brand, and you could run it. Have so They, uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny, have they ever wrestled for WWE? No, right? Never. Kenny did. Well, Kenny was part of one of their developmental territories early, early, early on in his career. But his trainer was also so abusive that he straight up quit. Yeah. After like a couple months, he like, broke his contract. Kenny and was went so back good. Working at Costco in Canada. Yeah, Kenny was so good that the WWE tried to put him in their de developmental in like 2002, 2003. And uh, they tried to like make him someone he wasn't, so he fucking quit. 
and then he went back to Canada and like he's like he basically was like I don't know if I'm gonna wrestle again like if it, if wrestling is that I don't want yeah. to do that so for, so yeah. uh, and he confirmed on Twitter a couple days ago when he was he was on one but he <laughs> he did like a couple MMA grappling bouts uh, I think after he left the developmental system because the other thing is he couldn't really find someone to train him. Like, his trainer in Canada just would just get drunk while he took bumps on his head that, like, were giving him concussions. Um, Like, just said, do this thing. So, you know, like, all of this to say, I think at the time, wrestlers, if you wanted to get into wrestling, people just kind of accepted that you were going, there was a uh, bottom line or a threshold of abuse that you had to suffer through in order to make it in the business. And you just think about, like, how much people must have loved professional wrestling to get through that to do that yeah to put yourself through all of that just to do this thing that you love and and you know punk knew because this was a time especially where you know you can w- go back and read punk's live journal write-ups by the way if you ever <laughs> what yeah if you ever want to do I didn't that, know that yeah you can you can uh, all of punk's live journal entries are archived so you can go back and read through them if you so desire. Holy shit. God, I might have to go look. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so all this to say, you know, the the kind of, this was the body era of WWE. This yes. is where a lot of the guys were on roids. Like people joke about what Vince's type is, but it's very, very true. And it was very, very apparent in the early 2000s. And, you know, here is Punk, this this scrawny guy who's, like, really good at wrestling, don't get me wrong, but he's certainly not like a Kenny Omega. His real power in wrestling is getting you to empathize with him. It's his mic and, skills. And his mic skills, telling you a story both through his words and through the emotiveness of his motions. And that just wasn't a thing that was happening at WWE at the time. But So they put him in ECW. He was in WWE ECW, which was basically their 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 developmental at the time yeah that they bought um and he kind of languished there for a while ccw champion um but he you know people loved him like people loved him like they're like oh this this guy like this is my guy this is like the guy i want to follow so like 2007 and 2008 even 2009 were like those years that Punk was in WWE and basically making a name for himself there like as like that that kind of like re- like rebellious like kind of guy that you like because he's not the same guy as like everyone else on the roster and finally in 2011 was what they called the Summer of Punk which which was actually a duplicate. It was something that happened in Ring of Honor. That right they kind before of, he left. That they brought to WWE. He joked that he was going to, or he had this whole program right before he left Ring of Honor. That his Ring of Honor contract was up. He was going to take the championship, because he was the champion at the time, with him to WWE. WWE. Yeah. And so that was, they did a program before he left. Punk signed like, his con- WWE contract on the Ring of Honor championship. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of like a, it wasn't a, a heel, but he was like not a great. No. No. Punk's all, you will hear people say Punk's best work is, is him as a heel. I beg to differ a little bit, but like at the time, like 2011 was peak John Cena 
tiredness oh, in yeah. WWE. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at the time, they had brought The Rock back to do a program with John Cena. And basically, it was like, oh, do you want to see these, like, John Cena's here for the a millionth time, and, like, The Rock is here. And basically, the story was that, like, Punk was just tired of it. Like, he was just tired of it. And his his contract was ending. His contract was really ending. And he cut a promo on Monday Night Raw uh, called The Pipe Bomb. John Cena, while you... You lay there, hopefully as uncomfortable as you possibly can be. I want you to listen to me. I want you to digest this because before I leave in three weeks with your WWE Championship, I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. I don't hate you, John. I don't even dislike you. I do like you. I like you a hell of a lot more than I like most people in the back. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. There's one thing you're better at than I am, and that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. You're as good as kissing Vince's ass as Hulk Hogan was. I don't know if you're as good as Dwayne, though. He's a pretty good ass kisser. Always was and still is. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I am the best wrestler in the world. I've been the best ever since day one when I walked into this company and I've been vilified and hated since that day because Paul Heyman saw something in me that nobody else wanted to admit. That's right, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. You know who else was a Paul Heyman guy? Brock Lesnar. And he split just like I'm splitting, but the biggest difference between me and Brock is I'm going to leave with the WWE Championship. I've grabbed so many of Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that they're just that. They're completely imaginary. The only thing that's real is me. And the fact that day in and day out, for almost six years, I have proved to everybody in the world that I am the best on this microphone, in that ring, even at commentary. Nobody can touch me. And yet, no no matter how many times I prove it, I'm not on your lovely little collector cups. I'm not on the cover of the program. I'm barely promoted. I don't get to be in movies. I'm certainly not on any crappy show on the USA Network. I'm not on the poster WrestleMania. I'm not in the signature that's produced at the start of the show. I'm not on Conan O'Brien, I'm not on Jimmy Fallon, but the fact of the matter is I should be, and trust me, this isn't sour grapes, but the fact that Dwayne 
is in the main event of WrestleMania next year, and I'm not makes me sick. So the pipe bomb is what they call in wrestling a work shoot, which is, this was semi-scripted as far as we are aware, but it was made to seem as if it was given extemporaneously, as if it was a real thing that Punk just sat down and said without really putting it to script. I thought it was. That's the thing, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. This promo got so many people back into wrestling or to not leave and, and, and continue to watch because they didn't know what was, if this was real, they didn't know if this was going to happen, what was going to happen. If punk was really leaving this program, this program between this and, you know, money in the bank, 2011 with John, that match with John Cena that I've seen a million times, which is so good. It is so good. It is such a good match. This, this kept people invested and they stayed to watch what punk was going to do. Like now the execution of it, maybe not the best, but how, how do you feel about the pipe bomb after watching it? Like, how do you feel about it? It's hard for me because I'm watching all of this sort of out of context as a new fan. Like I don't, I don't know where the pieces fit, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I've got all these cool things, but I don't know the chronological order. So is the contract signing with Vince McMahon, before the match was that a lead up to the match correct yes okay that makes so that was basically the pipe bomb was cut and then the story from that point was punk was going to leave so vince was making um like offers for punk to stay like we'll give you this or like and that that contract signing in the ring which is an incredible it is so incredible like because they were giving punk the ball like they gave punk the ball to run with it and they don't do that very often there so when that happens you can tell right like you can tell that this has a different feeling than like hey we wrote your promo for you go out and read it um so all this feels real so it's the pipe bomb then those contract signing segments dan and then money in the bank 2011 um I i know this is a controversial thing so i hate vince mcmahon the man the businessman who hurts mm-hmm. people and keeps people as freelance so he doesn't have to pay for their medical insurance and things like that. And it's just a monster. But I do love Vince McMahon, the character. That's- he's, he's one of Kenny Omega's favorite wrestlers. Like, no lie. Kenny has said that multiple times. I literally, when we started this, I walked in doing the Vince McMahon walk to our Zoom. Yeah. I, yeah. I think he, the way he talks and his energy, I really, really like. He's a bad, bad fan. And yeah. he's the, he is the reason I didn't like wrestling for so long because I used to get, uh, not bullied, but like, oh, do you know Vince McMahon? Are you lady? Like, my entire life. So, so wild. Well, because like, he was a huge heel, you know, life's a bitch. He's yeah. so good, he though. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, him and the Steve Austin stuff is incredible. Yeah. Those are some of the is. things I've watched. He's, no, that's, that's, that's what Kenny's favorite... Um, some of Kenny's favorite wrestling moments are so in that Steve Austin, Vince McMahon feud. It's Cause so... he's like, cause his reason is he gets you to hate him. Like yes. he, he puts that energy in there. And I do think Kenny channeled a lot of that for the belt collector run. Yeah. But anyway, this isn't a Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> so the, with them signing the contract, I'm watching it just going like, this is not the CM Punk that I know. This is like, right. no. he's like in this old man's face. Who's like, 
This is the only time I've seen Vince McMahon kind of like, uh, all right, like calm down, like you <laughs> don't have to do this. And he started to fight him, and I was like, what the yeah. hell? This is awesome. Um, but I I know that like a lot of that wasn't just the story. Like there was so much going on, like with that. Yeah. Like that's the, the point where he's like burned the- out. Yeah, well, like the whole. Well, that's before that. Yeah, that's but even that's before, before that. I, I yeah, yeah, that's before that. So I love in that contract signing. You're going to apologize, and you're going to like it. Says Punk right to Vince's yeah. face, and, I, and he's like, "I apologize, you son of a bitch." <laughs> and just to take a short detour, but I think now, probably having seen some of that stuff, you see where Charlie got that energy for Vel. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, his mask's character. That was a fusion of John Moxley and CM Punk. So. Uh, but it's so like that stuff is is so. Like, that's not what Punk is right now, but he wasn't burnt out then. Like, that wasn't when he was getting, like, the push. Like, Punk... He was, this was, at the time, like, WWE's version of a white meat baby face was Punk. He was still the heel. No, he was the heel. Okay. He was the heel, but the crowd loved him, so yeah. you could not say really anything different. Um, They were playing it like he was... Like, they were playing John Cena always as the hero, but it was it was... Obviously, the crowd felt different. So, I, I still think this is with, like with like there, the there's like Adam Page and Kenny Omega like they're the rivals. What is John Cena to CM Punk that what they were for the moment like they were the 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 opposing forces. Yes, and okay. they had incredible. WWE doesn't tell story, long term stories like Ken like the Elite do, mm-hmm. so it's hard to be like because definitely Kenny specializes in the rival man's so he'll like that one like this is like who i'm you know who's my juxtaposition but i would say john cena is cm punk's like rival that i i would absolutely say that in this moment in time because well, he represents like everything corporate yeah and wrong i think he even yeah. says like you represent everything that's wrong with the wwe, WWE yeah um because um, the thing is like they were pushing him and the crowd was tired of it and um you know, it's kind of not too dissimilar to what's happening now with Roman Reigns. Um, yeah. Or not now, but what has happened with Roman Reigns, where they've pushed him um, kind of artificially and been like, oh, yeah, this is your guy. And then the crowd's like, nah, man, this isn't it. <laughs> nah, nah, man, and this isn't the it. difference here being that they just happened to catch lightning in a bottle and find a guy that was a really yeah. good foil for him. Because you also think about... Like, the way Punk wrestles is, um, like, John's a pretty athletic and speedy guy for his size, but he still, you know, wrestles pretty stiff, and I've Punk never doesn't seen, wrestle like that. I've never seen John Cena wrestle. That's incredible. That's I've in, that... never seen him wrestle. So... I... He's Peacemaker to me. I don't... So, hey... And... Peacemaker is honestly some of his best work. He's uh... a really good fuck. There... Before we... Uh, complete side note actors who come from wrestling are so good at comedy because yes. it's so much yeah. timing and yeah. john cena is so fucking good at it like the king shark scene sorry the king shark scene from the suicide squad where he's like peacemaker and he made him a little version of himself he's like no and then it he holds a beat and he goes 
Okay, it's, all, it's good. Charlie, Charlie still needs to see it. I keep telling Charlie, no, you'll actually like this film. You haven't seen The Suicide Squad? I haven't. No, Holy I'm shit. bad at movies, Dan. I'm Holy bad at movies. Charlie's like, that doesn't seem like a movie for me. And I'm like, no, it actually it 100% is. is. It's just wrestling. <laughs> it's just a bunch of losers getting together. Oh, they're that, you really need to watch that. It's like being the elite. Yes. So, so we'll trade. You'll We'll watch that. And then you can watch the Bray Wyatt, uh, John Cena, Firefly Funhouse match really from the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that 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 like, may be one of the wildest things I've ever seen WWE put out. It's like you think about it, like wrestling is all timing. Yeah, like it's mm-hmm. literally, you know, it's something that the crowd doesn't really. We're made to think that it is just something that's happening in front of us. That's the artifice yeah. of the and the performance of it, right? But it's literally all timing. It's like they walk through. It's like you you do this and then I'll do that. And then we wait for a two count. And then, you know, like, I'll get, so it's like all, dancing. Yeah. It's all yeah. this elaborately staged or like a, um, like a marching band routine. Yeah. That's so, I, I, yeah. So CM, so I had no idea. I thought that was when CM Punk was already burned out. So like, when did he no. start burning so, out of it? So we'll go. So we go from, so the execution of the end of the summer of punk. So yeah, what happens with money at the bank, money in the bank, 2011, this incredible match, uh, between Cena and punk ends in this incredible way. Um, where obviously it was Cena's job to beat punk, take the belt off of him. So he couldn't take it wherever he was going. Cause he hadn't resigned, resigned at that point. And apparently the story goes that punk actually had not resigned until that very night. Mm-hmm. Um, punk wins. After Vince McMahon tries to screw him and get get the belt off of him, and Punk leaves through the crowd, blows a kiss to John Cena and Vince, and then runs walks through the crowd that night with the belt still in hand. Punk goes away for like three or four weeks, like we don't see CM Punk, and at that time they take another, they make they basically like okay we have a vacated like we have to get another belt in here like. So they basically have a match for the belt and um, Punk like stops Cena from winning it. So he shows back up again. Um, <laughs> but the execution of that isn't it, it after that. It's not good because CM because WWE only cares about what they care about. And like this was the story everyone cared about. But because The Rock was back and like the program was John Cena and The Rock for WrestleMania, they didn't do anything with it. So basically the story was like, oh, we're gonna, um, you know, Punk and Cena had another amazing match on a Raw that was basically like, if I win, I face, I face The Rock for the WWE Championship. And um, it didn't happen. And then suddenly Punk, you know, the story is that Punk pivots away from that and he starts a feud with The Undertaker. Now, that feud is incredible because it is Punk doing some of the most diabolical shit I have ever seen. Um, like, Paul Bearer. You know Paul Bearer, the Undertaker's manager, Dan? Like, do you know of that Hold guy? On. Pause. His manager is named Paul Bearer? Yes, yeah. and he carries around an urn of ashes. Yes. You're lying. I'm not no! lying, Dan. They showed a hologram of him at the Undertaker's retirement. Oh, I've seen this guy. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know he was real. Yeah. yeah no, he was <laughs> real. Shit. He's, he's unfortunately in a shoot real capacity no longer with, with us. us. But that leads into my thing because Paul Bearer had died and punk. And the implication was that the under, he like basically punk was like, 
like tormenting the undertaker with all of this information like with this having happened and like he poured like the implication was that paul bear's ashes were in this urn and punk just like poured them all over the undertaker like some of this was some like nasty heel shit like um and they had a match at wrestlemania and it was really good like that's a really i don't care for undertaker matches but that was a really good match is that where the undertaker comes out on the motorcycle no no no, that's the cool, this is the cool one where The Undertaker comes out for all the fog under that bridge apparatus. Uh, okay. Um, But Punk actually had a great run after 2011 and after all of this stuff because he, um, he had the belt for 435 days. Like, he had the WWE Championship for that. But the problem was, is that he wasn't the main event. He was never the main event. Like, he was never the main event guy. Like, he might have had the belt, but on pay-per-view, did they put his match last? Did they give him the main event of WrestleMania as the champion? No, because it was the Ceno Rock program. Like, all he wanted, he'll tell you, and he said, all he wanted was a main event at WrestleMania. Like, well, that's what he wanted to do. But they kept, like, putting him, like, no, we'll give you this instead. Or, this is a co-main event, but it's not... You know, it's not that. Also, and he kept making factions that would, like, organically get over. Like, people still talk about the Straight Edge Society, which was him, Serena Deeb with the shaved head, and Luke Gallows of uh, the Good Brothers, uh, Kenny Omega's BFFs. Um, not really, but that's what he, they would say. And that was, it. they were heels where their whole gimmick was that they were straight edge. And um, <laughs> Punk lorded that over people that were doing drugs or drinking alcohol. And the only reason that stopped is because uh, some paparazzi caught Serena Deeb drinking at a club and people (laughs) could no longer believe that she was straight edge. So WWE released her. Yeah. Um, But all this to say, like, during all of this, like, up probably, like, 2013, like, Punk is the guy that got the, like, the shield, you know, one of the greatest WWE factions of all time. Like, they came in as Punk's bodyguards. Like, Punk was the guy and that was, like, impetus of the S.H.I.E.L.D. What? He yeah. specifically pulled um, yep. Roman Reigns and Mox, then Dean Ambrose, out of developmental because they were basically ready to debut. And he said, these are the guys that are going to build your company for the next few years. And then he also wanted to put his friend Chris Hero in it. Um, but <laughs> WWE said, no, we like uh, Seth Rollins for that. So they put Seth in. Close but, personal friend Colby. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but yeah, he built the shield. That's like because he was like, me. I'm going to use this to put over younger guys. But and, yeah, and so that happened, and then we're getting into 2013, 2014 territory where it is really downhill for punk. It is it is the burnout from working three hundred days a year. It's like the burnout of telling guys, telling somebody why your idea is good and having them say no. Like it's, it's thing after thing. Like they made him work sick. Um, he had, I forget what it was exactly. He had staph infection. Yeah. He had a staph infection and they pumped him. So, I mean, in this anecdote is like widely shared, but content warning for gross bodily stuff. They pumped him so full of antibiotics that he shat himself in the ring. Because they were just, like, it was medical malpractice is what it, or it could be construed as that, because I don't want to get sued for defamation, but it could be construed (laughs) as medical malpractice because 
like you're not really treating it or allowing your talent to heal it's like okay you're over so we're just gonna put you book you as often as we can and make you work sick make you work through injury because that wasn't the only thing they made him work through but it was just like you're the program so you're just gonna keep working no matter what and that's no way to make anyone work um and especially like mox has talked at length about yeah the effect that uh, pitching ideas and having them continually shot down and just being told no you're gonna just run this shitty program like the effect that has on your mental health um punk went through the same thing punk's oh what did mox say in his his interview with jericho his like interview with jericho your creative process sucks change it um yeah so yeah so i mean punk got like it was 2014 when punk finally said i'm done and even punk said like i was never gonna get well in the place that made me sick in the first place so yeah so he leaves so he leaves um and he's gone for seven years and a lot of people that made them really upset you know because to them it was like the height you know they don't see what's going on behind the screens some of the stuff had been kind of a joke yeah but um you know, it was the height of his popularity for some people. And, you know, then obviously he tried, like, in in my mind, especially looking back, you look at, like, okay, you're trying, obviously I can't do WWE because, you know, or I can't do wrestling because I've been to Ring of Honor and I don't like the, at this point they're owned by Sinclair because um, Sinclair bought them in 2011. And I can't do WWE. Like, what can I do? MMA, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, a lot of people make the joke about or joke about Punk and M- doing MMA, doing UFC. But it's like he clearly loved wrestling. It's like, you know, in a lot of ways, like grasping at the last few straws that are anything similar to the thing that you like. And and still trying to recover from that burnout. And then, you know, obviously his UFC career did not go very well. He just, you know, did not have... Or some comic books. Yeah, he wrote some comic books of varying quality. Dan, have you read the CM Punk comic books? The Drax? Yes. Yeah. That's not very good. Yeah. It, I did look at the <laughs> wiki okay. and it has some wild ideas, but yeah. it's like... The world building is good, but the the writing quality itself is not. <laughs> but again, it was only the beginning. Like, if he kept going, maybe there could have been better stuff. But, like, yeah. Yeah. The it, costume for it is in the game. So that's cool. That's cool. I, it, like, to me, it's, it's like, like, it's like, what can you do? You yeah. know, when the thing that you really love is also yeah. now a thing that you hate and makes you ill, um, literally. I mean, on top of that, like, it, coming, like, you were at the biggest company, like, there's no, other than WWE at the time, like it wasn't like a huge, like you couldn't just jump to another company that had a huge presence like yeah, WWE right. had or has. Yeah. Yeah. Like and it's else. like, yeah, especially when you're so in, you know, I think a lot of things also make context or, you know, the context becomes clear. It's like he had a lot of money at this point. Um, and bump taking any bump in a wrestling ring is like going through a car crash. If you don't a hundred percent love that or like <laughs> love it, you know, like why would you take a bump? Like it's not like, oh, you know, some people call punk selfish. It's like, oh, you could have gone to the indies. Oh, I could have done this. First of all, there wasn't really that for a long time, only up until recently. And then again, like if you're not 
getting any joy from it. Like, why, why, would, why you? would you take a bomb, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the main point here, which will play into the story we're going to talk about, is that punk leaving did make a lot of people bitter. Um, and the, I understand seeing your favorite, I'm going, I'm not going through the same thing with Cody Rhodes, but it's a different, it, it spawns from a similar place. Like the guy you thought was the, like a certain way ends up not being that guy. And it's like, Hmm, I'm upset, but I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to articulate it because I also don't care, but also I'm kind of upset. Um, ramen haired. Cody, Cody <laughs> I I still cannot believe he wasn't a heel. Like when you told me he's not a heel, I was like, "What?" <laughs> he used to be. He I was like, I was shocked he was not a heel in because every single match I saw with him, everything I saw him talk about, I was like, "Oh, that man's a heel." <laughs> His hair is like he looks like Albert Wesker. That's yeah. simple. Or as like that. like the other thing I can think of is like um like a game developer. Like my relationship with Star Wars actually is quite similar. Where it's like, there's a lot of Star Wars. I grew up loving Star Wars. I grew up loving Star Wars. And then, you know, they made the Legends canon, like, Legends not canon, which is fine. Um, But then, like, everything that's coming out in Star Wars is just not for me, like, at all. It's just Mm. not my vibe. The newest trilogy was, like, okay, but that's it. And then, like, the Galactic Star Cruiser you know the the high republic stuff it's just like not what i love it's just like the baseline normie star wars stuff and i just can't get excited about that and it's like like you know i left star wars and then it's <laughs> we watched visions on a fluke and it's like oh star wars this can is be why good? i like star wars star wars yeah. can be good what <laughs> you know and it's just like it's so weird because everything that's coming out is so corporate and I know that it can still be for me, but I've had to make peace with the fact that most of the time it just won't be. Yeah. And I'm going to find that elsewhere. Yeah. So, you know, we end up back in 2021. You know, a long, seven, a long, long seven years has elapsed. We talked about it a little, obviously, about Punk returning to AEW. Like, this thing that, like, was imagined, but we were... did a TV show who... Um, someone on this podcast might have reviewed. Yeah, we, heels, heels. It got renewed for a second season. Good, good for you, Stephen Amell. You like that, right? Yeah, it was fun. Like it was a fun show. But I can't watch shows regularly. <laughs> like it hurts my. Only thing I can watch regularly on Wednesdays is wrestling. Um, I don't really have time for much else. But Punk goes away. He comes back, and it is like. It is this moment that I can't, I can't tell you. There are people that didn't know anything about CM Punk. Like, people who hadn't been wrestling fans for in that seven years. Like, they became wrestling fans in that seven year span of time and never heard of CM Punk. Mostly because they don't really watch WWE or, do, you know, aren't like me and will, like, fiendishly go back and just, like, eat all the information back there. Um, they don't do that, which is fine. Um... So seeing people actually, like, fall in love with CM Punk for the first time, is this, like, really incredible thing? Like, well, and I think that's why that promo works so well, is it, it speaks both to the people that left because he left, and it speaks to new people, like, it's, it's a good 
expository um, soliloquy in the sense, because that's literally what it is. It, it, because punk is so good at making you feel what he's feeling and channeling those emotions directly into the viewer, like you feel like there's no way to look at that and not understand that this guy is important, that this guy has a presence and that he was not doing well, but he loved doing it so much that he found a reason to come back. Like that, the whole arc of that is just like, I don't, I don't know how you could look at that and not get it. Right. Like punk is a guy who he makes it very easy to get. Yeah. And like right now, like from like, we've, we've changed a little bit from where we started, but Dan, in the, in the, in the, in Punk coming back in the wake of, of All Out, we watched him have a match with Darby Allen, which was really good, and, but the story of the match kind of was Punk shaking the rust off. Like, yeah. that was kind of the story of the match. As we stood probably right after All Out and the stuff that happened before we got in, we get into, you know, MJF stuff, um, if you could describe CM Punk, I did this with Mikey, if you could describe CM Punk, how would you describe him? Like the character of CM Punk. I, I that thing I said like the, not the everyman, but like he's just like he seems like a normal person. Like he wasn't like he didn't have a huge gimmick. He just seemed like he was really he was like a hype man. Like he loved being there, but he wasn't just there. He was a heart. He wasn't just there to do his thing. Like he was very explicit. He was like, "There's so many young talents here. Like I want to be here to be able to coach them, help them." Mm. Like, I've read things about him sitting with different, like, younger wrestlers after matches and, like, going over the footage and things like that. I, I, I see him as, like, a heart of a company. Like, he doesn't have to be on the top all the time. Like, he's, he, I think now is the first, like, this week is the first time he's, like, we've really seen the idea that he might go for the belt. Mm-hmm. Um, He's there because he loves the thing. Um, I don't know. His energy was so, like, he's. He's good. Definitely a different guy. So, definitely a different guy from the guy you saw yelling at Vince McMahon, right? Well, like yeah, definitely. So I didn't yeah. watch any of that before this. The, my mm-hmm. first CM Punk was that match. I yeah, like. Right. I was a brand new fan, pretty much. Like I've seen. Well, I you, saw. You watched the the um the promo at the United Center before we went to the paper. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got to see. Like I understood. Like I was like, oh, like this is interesting. But like now, I I love CM Punk. Like he makes you love him. Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny because his um his AKA on Twitter is player slash coach, but mm-hmm. that's like I do think that's like his gimmick right now is like a player coach, like he's there to wrestle but then also to coach people it's... and he's kind of like a like he's he's the hip dad right yeah yes hip dad that's kind of the vibe he gives this is is so important because like cool this is punk this is punk and a lot of people have said. To varying degrees, I agree with, but it's the story, so they can, they can have this. A lot of people say, this isn't CM Punk, this is Phil Brooks. Like, this is Phil. This is Phil. Like, and I get it, but the interesting thing about this story is, like, how do we get from, like, what happens when we get, how do we go from Phil Brooks back to CM Punk? And that's kind of, like, where we're headed a little. Yeah. Like, it's this thing and you keep seeing it, especially with the stuff with Max, where it's like 
Punk is here and he loves this, but there's so many ghosts that are just just behind yeah. him enough that they're still there. So the ghost of like the guy he was in Ring of Honor and like the ghost of the guy he ended up being in WWE. Like there's all this stuff that's baggage. I can see that coming because like yes. with the yep. we'll talk about it in a second. But like some of the promos, you're like, oh, maybe there was. Because again, I I only know the hero punk. I don't know. Yeah. I'm the only learning yeah. the villain. Yeah. And when you told like when I saw him say like the stuff about making an alcoholic, like did he say he made him drink or he got yeah. him fired? Yeah. I was like, oh my fucking god. Yeah. Like, that's so, rough. Like the story in Ring of Honor with him and Raven is like he was dry, like Raven was his opponent, right? And right, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he like drove him back to drinking essentially that was the storyline so yeah so like and the thing is (laughs) uh we say a lot about the elite like it's incredible that three um you know straight edge men have the energy of a kesha song like cm punk right now wait are they straight edge too yeah yeah Yeah. well they're not like xx straight edge Yeah. yeah but they're you know they don't drink or do drugs um they're sober so um it's incredible that CM Punk is a literal straight edge man with the energy of your cool uncle that smokes weed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, again, just the power it's of... It's like the best wrestlers, like, like put out the vibe of a thing that they aren't, but they're so good at it that they're just like, yeah, this, this, this is it. Um, and, you know, so we're, we're headed back in a direction and nothing was more... He's been teaming with the ultimate, like, cool grandpa and Sting. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's why it was... Because I don't think he and Sting had ever been in a ring before no. they te- he and Darby and Sting teamed. So it's like, like, we're getting to see, oh, good, cool Uncle Squad. Oh, isn't this sweet? They're just mm-hmm. hugging. Like, they're so happy. But you're right. Like, they're, like, ever so often. And he's really good at turning that dial, right? Like, there's something sinister lurking just beneath mm-hmm. the surface, but no one's quite disturbed it yet. And you saw a little bit of it when he was shooting with Eddie. Like. Yes, that's, those are good from, like, those yeah. back and forth are so good when yeah. Eddie's, like calling him out for like everybody's so happy you're here but i'm not yeah yeah i i I saw you as the guy in ring of honor like you called me a piece of shit because you didn't think i could wrestle worth a damn like you only believed in the guys you wanted to believe Mm -hmm. and you know like that the thing is i think and that makes cm punk such like a real person is he's had very real very real life very public falling outs with people he and colt cabana used to be literal bffs they ran a wrestling uh promotion together they were on podcasts together and then because of the wwe suing him um he basically threw colt under the bus um and because it was on colt's podcast i think that he said the defamatory things about the doctor in wwe and because you know and he he has um he won't ever talk to his brother again because his brother stole money from him um like he his real life family he just won't have anything to do with so you know he's this very and these are like very public things he's this happy-go-lucky guy but like if you cross him you're done forever and that's that's how he is in real life and and that is, you know, I think to a certain extent, like carried through his character on screen. Yeah. And we end up being like, so like 
after after Punk and Eddie have this thing at, at Full Gear, we see like this cut, Punk cuts his promo bloody in the back, and he says, "Every day, I'm remembering who the fuck I am." And then, so the, obviously we get a little we 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 shade some more in. And, you know, that same full gear, which is full of a lot of things, like that was a chapter of AEW closing. Um, as full gear so often is. As, yeah, as it often is. Um, MJF comes out that next Dynamite and says there's... Uh, let's talk about MJF. Let me, let me just start by talking about MJF. Let's have Dan describe who he is. Yeah, thinks. please, Dan, tell me, uh, if you had to describe Maxwell Jacob Friedman, how would you do it? I I love uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. He is he does not think of himself as a heel. Full heartedly does not think he's a heel, which is the best thing ever because he is so committed and does not like the word heel. He is pompous. He is an asshole. He is um oh he's he's a signature man. He's always got his signature Burberry scarf. Like he knows who he is. And it's incredible. He is, what did he say? He's a chameleon. Um, what did, he said, I'm, I'm the goddamn devil. Like, I, I didn't like MJF at first. I was like, oh, like, I don't get his bit. Cause he, he was still with, um, Cody? what's the, what's the Fozzie's group? Um, oh, 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 uh, he was with, he was uh, with the inner circle. Inner circle. Yeah. Chris yeah, Judas, as Judas. Dan Hazen would say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Love that Dan Housen. Um, (laughs) But he was with that group and I just didn't get it. Like I didn't understand his vibe. And then I started seeing him and I was like, oh, MJF is the devil. Like (laughs) he's so good. Uh, What was the, who did he wrestle at? um, Full, was it, what was the, what was after All Out? Full Gear. Full Gear. He wrestled Darby at Full Gear. He wrestled Darby at Full Gear. Incredible. He is an incredible. No, that was an incredible match. It may, yeah, that was an incredible match. He, he's and so even, skilled. Even the the match we saw at uh, All Out with him against uh, Jericho was pretty good. Yeah, that yeah, was actually he, pretty good. He, I um, didn't expect to like it as much as I did. The vibe that he gives me, um, if he <laughs> if he wasn't there, he would be the best used car salesman on earth. <laughs> he he's from Jersey, right? Oh, he's Long from Long Island. Island. Oh, Long, yeah, Long Island, New York. Have you known people like him, Dan? Yeah, he's he's got a really New York um, way about him. Yeah. Okay. He, like, uh, real, like, I live yeah. in a, a store, mansion in Astoria yeah. or whatever. So I was just watching an interview with him with, I don't know, this uh, Ariel... Hawani, yeah. Yeah, Ariel Hawani, yeah. Hmm? I don't know who that is, but this interview was so good. Because he starts, he lets Ariel introduce him, and he goes, that was good, but let me do it myself. And then he introduces himself, and he does all, like, talks so much shit, and he goes, I'm extremely humble. And then just starts insulting this man. Yeah. Just over and over. And he said something... Um, He's like just bashing him, and I'm like, but he doesn't do it in a way that's like punch, like punching down. Like he's like so snide that he just like gotten better s- at it. Slips these comments between your ribs, and they're like they stick. He's he's evil, and I really like him. Like <laughs> that, he's got good energy. Punk, uh, Punk has unlocked this in him. Yeah, um, I think he and Punk behind the scenes have been doing a lot of work because mm-hmm. before they started running this program. Like, my history with MJF, and I've said it a lot on Comic Sex Fight, like, he had really punched down moments where it's like, oh, we're in 
um, we're in Cincinnati. I'm going to insult, um, like, it's Brian Pillman Jr.'s hometown, and it's his birthday, and all of his family is here. I'm going to insult his dead yes. he- wrestling hero dad. I'm going to say his mom should have gotten an abortion, and I'm going to slut shame his sister. And it's like, that's just, like, oh. n- none of that's good, and like, it's just unnecessary. Yeah, the thing about MJF's previous work to, like, where he's at right now, which I continue, hope he continues to work on, is it's like really any insane. asshole could say it. Yeah, any asshole could say it with then, like, flashes of brilliance that then make me yeah. wish, like, like the um, dinner debonair and stuff like that. It's like, okay, this is, like, this is good. Like, this is interesting. Like, he ha- did the whole musical bit. I don't know whether you've seen it, Dan, but he did this whole bi- musical bit with Chris Jericho about how they were better than everyone else. And it was, like, a musical. Like, something out of fucking, it like, was. Futurama. It, yeah, it was a musical. And it was really what? good. Yeah. Yeah. It, I remember their Vegas thing, which was very funny. Yeah, like, but then, like, when he would be by himself, it would be, like, uh, cut my music, cut my music. All of you are so, the people in this place are so, like, pick. Ah, uh, the mid stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. The mid stuff, it, it got funny, but, like. But then he would be, like, oh, all of you are so fat, you couldn't see your own corn. And uh, it's, like, <laughs> what is that? Like, uh, that's not a real thing he said, but that's the kind of caliber. And it's What like- I would always say about MJF is, is that he would, instead of getting better at what he was saying, he would just get louder. And yeah. he would just start yelling. And then I'd be like, Max, we gotta cut this. It should have been cut off. You should have stopped talking five minutes ago. Yeah. And then so- when he feuded with Mox, he had a whole weird, like, Trump-esque bit. Uh, yeah. yeah so he, my election thing? thing? No. Um, the lucky thing for me is that my brain is wicked fucking smooth, and I only <laughs> know characters from different programs that I watch. Like, I the CM Punk and MJF stuff, love it. Have I seen anything else MJF has done other than passing? Absolutely not. No, yeah. No. Do no, I have any interest in going that's back? Where you, no. That, no, that's where you want to be, because, like... Yeah. Like, it's, it's easy all to... All bangers. Find, all bangers. Bangers yeah. only. Yeah, bangers only here. We, like... Mikey and I have, have watched AEW from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Kenny Omega go through that glass table on the first episode of Dynamite, and I have seen the evolution of almost, basically everybody in this company. And MJF, um, you can tell when he's working with someone who wants to make him better. And that leads us to that promo after Full Gear, where he's where he's basically like, nobody, like, who wants, like, who wants this, like. And That's when he's sitting backwards in the chair, right? And Punk comes out. CM Punk's music hits. Punk comes out. Max sticks his hand out to give him a handshake. Uh-huh. It's a ring promo. And Punk just laughs, and then he leaves. And it was a perfect moment, because at that point, I was so tired of like seeing this MJF that I wanted to see, but like he was disappointing me in so many ways. And I'm like, mm, this is good because Punk isn't going to play into this because yeah. Punk knows this. He's not going to like, he's, he's been that guy. He's been that guy. Like literally. And it was brilliant the way that that, that feud started. And I was like, I'm, in, I'm that, in for this. And in that moment, like people that connect the dots, it's like, oh, it's the best in the world meets I'm better than you and you know it. Those two things can't coexist mm-hmm. in the ring together. So it becomes this kind of like, oh, I I see where this is going. 
And from that moment, then you get, you know, like, MJF. I do actually, I, I know I said I had a lot of issues with his slut-shaming and treatment of women before, um, but I do think when he brought up Britt Baker, because Punk was putting over Britt because he's like, yeah, the women's division should matter too. And Punk is like, or um, MJF's like, you know, oh, are you going to kiss Britt Baker in the back? Or, you know, like, oh, are you're so close to her, you know, kind of stuff. And then Punk's like, Britt can talk for herself. You're the one bringing her into this. And I thought that was really clever. Like, because of course MJF is going to grasp at straws. And of course Punk's not going to give it to him. Yeah. Because this is the kind of guy MJF has been. Like, that to me was the logical progression of everything MJF has been up to this point. Yeah. Like, of course he's going to use, he's gonna oh, keep... you can't be friends with a girl. Yeah, he's going to, he's going to, like, keep, like, firing in the wrong direction. And Punk's just not going to be there for it. He doesn't need to prove himself. Need, if, yeah. There, there are. This is off top, but I don't want to get too deep into this, but I really do think there are some problems with um, some toxic masculinity and so, like I, I get there's a ton of that and things like this, but like there are some weird one-off comments that like always catch me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like Daniel Bryanson made one, um, something about no balls or something. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, there was that weird week of no balls. Me. There was that weird week when Kenny and Brian were feuding. You don't have the balls to face me. I think yeah. it's something MJF said. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I take it for what it is because I know I'm. There's more audience than just me, and but like I don't know. Sometimes Wait, it catches me off guard. No, and you're and you're wrong, and you're yeah. right. I have never. Uh, Brian Danielson may be a great wrestler and people love him and you can take this and you can clip it out of the podcast and you can share it, but I've never forgiven him for starting a Kenny Noballs chant ever. And I never will. And he can wrestle a fucking 12 star match in the fucking wherever he wants to, but I'm still going to say Kenny Omega is better than him because he is. So. I just don't think he's interesting. I don't, no! I, nothing about him is interesting. He's boring. He's just like eating plain white toast, Not even toast, just like plain bread. But Back to the MJF. I do think, like, he's only interesting in contrast to someone else, right? Like, because when he and Punk wrestled, it was interesting, but that's because, like, Punk is interesting, and, like, they're (laughs) the same kind of guy, and you could see how Punk has more charisma than him. Yeah. Back back to this. Yeah. Build my skills. I did want to say, I realized um, we're on camera, but this is a podcast, so uh, when I said, like, MJF said the, oh, you don't have the balls to face me, I did make a huge grimacing face. (laughs) But that's, yeah, there was, like, that one weird week where everyone was saying that. And then it's funny because Charlie was like, oh, let's turn on SmackDown just just, just to see if anything's going on. And then Roman Reigns made a balls joke. And I'm like, what is <laughs> up with this week? Yeah. Like, everybody on every program. But anyway, yeah. So aside from that, though, I do think, like, Punk helped to refine what Max was doing because mm-hmm. it – like you have to step up your game if you're going to say try to replace the best in the world, right? Yeah. And steel punk is also steel. Yeah. Punk is so good on the mic. Like, I think it. Yeah. It's 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 steel sharpening steel. Like and we said. finally got to the thing that everyone said they wanted to see, which was that in ring promo battle between Punk and MJF. And Dan, you what? Did you watch this? The one where. Um... What are they? 
is it, they're both in the ring. Yes. And they're just going at each other. Yes. And is this the one where MJ, uh, where, is this where Punk wears the mid-shirt? Or is that a different one? Um, that might be a different one, but this is where Punk calls MJF a less, uh, less interesting Miz. Yes. 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 <laughs> and now I understand, like, I'm glad I, this, we did this later, because now I know who the Miz is. And I, <laughs> and I was like, damn, that is actually pretty good. Have you been playing as him in 2K22? <laughs> I, I've seen him. I learned a lot about WWE from this game. So now I understand personalities and who these people are. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I TikTok as well. I see Miz on TikTok a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's the thing, right? Like, the Miz is just someone that's horny for being important. So he has, like, Thanks. that is his gimmick. So he's got the reality show. He's got the hot wife. He's got the TikTok. He's got the guest appearances. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Maurice is actually incredibly stunning. Yes. Um, She went from Total Divas, and then they kind of parlayed that and um whoa uh, yeah <laughs> oh you should see her gear at the uh, last yeah game yeah Jan, this that is was... what we call this is what we call um marrying above your yeah above your station. um the funniest thing is he went to school here in ohio he grew up in ohio and one of my co-workers went to college with him <laughs> like they were within the same dorm floor or something huh. He's um, like an interesting. Yeah, the Miz. I think he is went a, to like business. Uh, like school. a nice guy. Like, he dropped out of business school. Did you know he was on I, the real world? Yes, I did know that. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, he went from the real world. Maurice was on Total Divas, and then they have the Miz and Maurice, or Miz and Mrs. Yeah. Excuse huh. me. Yeah, but so that I liked that ring in ring battle, like their back and forth. But I I really like the creativity with the shirts. I don't know if it's to sell shirts, but like. <laughs> When he came out with the mid the mid shirt with the Burberry yeah. thing, I could not stop laughing. I was like, "That's very good." That's very. That might be a shirt they sell, but like, incredible. Yeah, and then like, kind of a central point of this whole feud then was like, you know, also MJF. Um, people dug up an old clip of MJF on Rosie O'Donnell when he yes. was like yes. ten years old or something. So you know, it all kind of plays into like, oh, this was your five minutes of fame, and this is what you. You've been milking your entire life. life. Yeah. Um, like you made this your whole personality because you were in choir, uh, men's choir and all this stuff. And, you know, and that kind of makes it really funny because it's like you have to try so hard and you have all this money and punk, you know, doesn't like he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need mm-hmm. anything. He just is that charismatic naturally. So. And then we get to we finally get to the point where. All throughout this this thing that's been happening, basically started in November and it spilled out into the new year, so 2022. We finally get to the match in Chicago between MJF and CM Punk, which I thought was going to be the end of this. That mm. made sense to me, but they have this match in Chicago where it took me. It was like 40 minutes, and sometimes when I look at the clock on Dynamite and I see like a long period of time. I'm just like, man, never gave Kenny 40 minutes on TV. Huh. <laughs> um, but it's because he was, it's because he was broke. He was actually just broke. <laughs> he, he didn't want to go 40 minutes. He didn't want to go 40 minutes. Um, so there's 40 minutes left. And I'm like, okay, let's see Punk and MJF go for 40 minutes. And it's a really good match. But it took me like a time or two to watch it again to really kind of get what they were going for. Which all through this like kind of seeded punk and MJF stuff was this Wardlow thing too. So it was like 
MJF always cheats to win. And he always uses a fucking ring that is just a gimmick. That doesn't I mean love the ring. doesn't what mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Well, it's something that he won, but every time it comes up for like renewal, like <laughs> they, once a year they have the dynamite diamond ring match, right? And every year somebody else could win it. <laughs> somebody else could win it, but every time MJF wins, usually by cheating. I think the first time Chris actually like cheated for him or something. Yeah. Um, when and is that, that was up? what? When, when do you know when that? I think it's usually towards the it's beginning towards, of the year. Yeah, it's towards the beginning of the year. It was um, it was actually in December. Actually, no, it's the end of the year. It was oh, in December. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um. So, and I think the other thing is like, you know that meme from X Men First Class where it's like, I just want to see the real you. No, I mean the real you. I think like this whole feud. Is kind of punk saying, I want to rest, I want to see the real MJF. They're like the real Maxwell. And then, you know, Max shows up in his Burberry and his white suit. And then punk's like, no, I mean the real Max. Yeah. And, you know, he wants to see that artifice stripped away. And I think the interesting thing about this first match is punk is, excuse me, MJF does, is afraid to strip that artifice away. Mm-hmm. And like he still relies on his people and his posturing, and like he's a really damn good wrestler, but they're not meeting man to man. Whereas Punk's like, Punk has no one on his side. He has no one in his yeah. He's like no connection, yeah. right? And you know he partners with people from time to time, but then you know he burns bridges as easily as he starts making them. You know, like the whole thing. Um, I think right after this, right, is when it's like, oh, let's have a tag match. And, yeah. And then Max is like, oh, wait, you, there's no one in that locker room who will stand by your side. Like, you have dynamite to, to make a tag, to find a tag partner. And there's nobody that can call your friend because you've burned all your bridges. Yeah. It was right after this match. Yeah. Um, which MJF cheated to win. Uh, Wardlow had not yet turned. So unfortunately we all had to watch Wardlow think about not helping Max and then ended up helping him anyway. And that's when that right after that is when Max says, you don't have any friends. So if you can find someone to tag with and you beat us, then you can have your match. Yeah, you're going to have your that's rematch. Right. That's right. Um, and that's when Punk gets Mox, and that fucking tag match they put on was a hell of a match. And I, I called it because everybody's like, oh, I don't know. Like, who could he tag with? And of course, Punk being the incredible, like, he's just so good at telling narratives, too. Like, now Twitter is his meta narrative as it is for so many people. So, literally, during Dynamite, he is sitting there tweeting, adding, like, Danhausen, are you here? Oh, wait, you can't wrestle yet. Like, he's adding random people. Like, and it's like, some of whom, add Samoa Joe. Some of whom aren't even in the company. Right. Yeah. They're just free agents. or um. So, he's like, Samoa Joe, are you in the area right now? Because Samoa Joe got fired. And, you know, he's adding other people, like William Regal. Um, and so, you know, it's like, who is he, like, who could he face? Because it's, you know, sure as shit, not going to be Eddie. It's not going to be this. So, of course, it's Mox. And that's calling to him being the one to kind of help get Mox over by offering him the place in the shield and building that faction organically. And, 
Um, that was really great. They had some shield spots. Also, they had, also Punk wore the trunks, the same trunks that he wore the last time he wrestled Mox, which was, um, in WWE as Dean Ambrose. So he wore those same exact, like, trunks for that match. Same exact design and color. I've got it playing right now. Uh, I I had no idea this match existed. Oh, it's so good. It's really good, actually. (laughs) I love Mox. He's so, uh, so, but let's, let's get back to, um, the MGF punk can we talk about their Chicago stuff because up until that point wasn't CM Punk undefeated yes yes and then MGF pinned him right yes yes so after that is I guess where it really started to heat up like completely yes that is the level we saw that's when after after punk wins this match for a new another match Mm -hmm. because he was mad punk gets to um yeah because punk came out and he's like no max is like hey i beat you and punk's like no 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 i want to talk to the man who beat me and his name is wardlow like so that was like also furthering that narrative so after punk wins he gets a match and he gets to pick the stipulation so that is that promo in the ring where punk brings out the box the gift box and then he brings out the picture that mjf took with CM Punk as MJF being a fan. And this promo was so good and it like cut really well. And it was basically like, you know what? This was the most important day of your life. And to me, it was just a Friday. And MJF comes out and his, like his face is just like, He's, you don't know if he's afraid of the dog collar match because that's what this is. Like, you are now, this is the match you're going to have. A punk, a, a, a match type that that Punk has had before. I'm just never intimately been in, familiar intimately with. familiar One with. One could even say, like, popularized. Like, he, he has had uh, some of the, I think, like, just from reading about them, I haven't watched them. But he has had some of the most memorable dog collar matches because he did one with Rowdy Roddy Piper, right? No. Piper is the guy who innovated the dog collar match. The one that Punk had was with Raven in in Ring of Honor. But MJF is scared, but he's also very sad. And that was the first time I'd ever seen Max look like that. Like, ever. Like, ever at all. And I was like, whenever someone shows me something new, about themselves, I'm always like, ooh. Um, and I was really interested to see where it would go from that point, and it went into a place I didn't think it was going to go, and that made the story for me. So the next week, MJF comes out to cut a promo, and it's 100% genuine. It is MJF's villain origin story, and it is... One of the most incredible pieces of, te- like, promo work I've ever seen. Um, this got to you, Dan. You told me that this one got to you. I, I, I made Scarlet watch this. Because I was like, this is like a bit, like, so she watched, um, she watched the, oh, God, what was the pay-per-view? I, I don't know. I can't keep all of them straight. The most the one recent that just one? Happened? Yeah. Revolution. Revolution. That was Revolution. So we watched Revolution together, and I was like, listen... Before we watch this, you got we have to watch all this stuff. And I was like, this is probably one of my favorite promos ever because he sells it so well. It is a, yeah. like a he's like, and I 
from what I understood, like you didn't see this side of him. You didn't see no. there was never anything that wasn't the ma- like his mask. Like he was never anything but MJF, and like uh, he like uh, it was <laughs> it was like really emotional because he was like yeah. really telling it. He was telling his origin. He was like, "This is why I'm here. Like my dream was to be here, um, and now the person who inspired me is my enemy." Uh, yeah. Well, and it's so great on, because it's like, <laughs> again, I hate to go back to tabletop, but there's so many similarities. It's like, you you got the thing you wanted, like Punk got that artifice and that mask stripped from MJF, but it's the worst thing, right? Because in stripping that mask, it lays bare that all of your faults and all of your things that you're the most sorry for created this. Yeah. Because Punk said when he came back, he said... You know, if anything, any of my personal decisions that I've made have made you, you know, have upset you in any way, I'm sorry. And this is literally it, you know, and through needing to take care of himself and do it, putting himself first, Punk let down some of the people that matter most to him. And that's his fans, you know, he. He and that's a very real thing. He had to make that decision and he has to live with the consequences. And one of these consequences ended up creating one of his bitterest rivals. And I think that's beautiful. Like, that's it, that's incredible. And I we always joke because it just continues to come up. It's that scene in The Incredibles where you realize that sin that Mr. Incredible like syndrome was created because Mr. Incredible was awful to him. Your enemy um, is your fault. Yeah, like, this is, like, the monster you're fighting, it exists because of you. Well, he, uh, I think CM Punk says it himself. At one point, he's like, am I Dr. Frankenstein? Is this my monster? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is this my fault? Yeah. Um, At the end of his promo uh, with MJFs, Punk comes out, and he's like, seriously, he's like, is this true? Like, is this? Yeah. Like, you can't tell if it's, like, kayfabe or if it's real. He's like, (laughs) he's like. I think he tweeted something. Yeah. He's like, I had no idea. Yeah. He, he, the moment where punk comes out afterward and he says, is that true? Like he doesn't even say it. You can't hear it on the microphone, but he mouths it. So clearly you can tell it, 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 that I think it's even better. And he goes to like hold max. And I think that's when Max gives him this big bear hug. No, no, no. That's next next week. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, that might be my favorite promo ever. Yeah, that... That next week. So, MJF just leaves. And that story about the about the quarters, like, that people threw quarters at MJF, that's real. He, yeah, because he posted about that on uh, Facebook. Like, and I think he posted about, like, why he was leaving, like, college. And... Um, like talked about CM Punk in that like people found the Facebook post from like 2015 or something and so yeah it's all and that's you know some of the best it's so funny because this is so much like there's this current this DNA running through all of CM Punk stuff like it's in the WWE it's in the ROH it's in the WWE it's in heels and it's here that like the best things about wrestling are those things that blend reality with the fiction and the stage theater aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, in Heels, I haven't watched it at all yet, 
but my understanding is his character is blends elements of um cm punk into it like heel punk and then obviously you see the backstage in the real life drama um with the um wrestling drama and like that i think is something punk is very good at is like blurring that line and letting the real life stuff Mm. influence and impact and intensify what he's doing in the ring it's um that was and mjf's gotten really good at yeah it too. that that was a moment and next week the next week after so the go home show for revolution was also another moment dan tell us about it <laughs> the the next week's yes so i i can't remember how it's i can tell you how it ends but it does it start with cm punk by himself talking about like his reaction to everything correct like, he's like of- i don't he comes to the ring and says you know what i don't like, I don't doubt for a second that what Max said is true, but I doubt his sincerity, is what yeah. he said. And he's, he's like, like, I don't know if it matters. I don't know if that matters. He's like, I look at myself in the mirror and I say, am I, the, am I the bad guy? And, you know, he's like, I don't know the answer to that question. But what I want to know is, like, like if you'll talk to me, Max, I want Max to come out. I don't want MJF to come out here. Like... And we can talk about this because that kind of stuff that you talked about, all of that, that if you keep that inside, that will burn you alive. Because I understand because this is that's who I was. And um, so, you know, Max comes out and I as a wrestling as a wrestling fan, I know the other shoes going to drop at some point. I don't know when, how or if, but. I'm bred for it. Um, and I'm bred for it in moments where it doesn't make sense because the WWE has broken my brain. Um, <laughs> and AEW is slowly patching it back up. But I knew something was going to happen. So I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm watching, and I'm like, the tension is very thick in the air here. And they're hugging, and something bad's going to happen. It's and hugging, it's like, but I don't feel good. Yeah, it's hugging, but I don't feel good about this. So I had to get <laughs> up. I had to get up, and I had to go. Like, that's how you know something's affecting me physically, like, emotionally. It's like, I can't continue to it's watch this. It's something very stressful and tense in a emotional capacity is happening or if someone's setting up for a really high dangerous jump charlie why either get up or turn physically around because <laughs> that also happened this wednesday with jeff hardy standing on the fucking wa- top of the building in the in the mezzanine i could not watch what's, what's his move called the swanton, swanton. bomb oh it's so cool it's really cool yeah um so yeah like- so MJF comes out in the white suit. That's the one that in the match he was like, I don't want to see yeah. this MJF. I want to see the real MJF. Yeah. Right. So he's wearing this and they like after this talk, they embrace like they're hugging. And it's like, oh wait, like maybe this is gonna be okay. And like you're like, oh, that's awesome. And then MJF kicks him in the groin. Yeah. Yeah. Like full on, like a very it's like a really good kick. Yeah. <laughs> like it's very clear, it's crisp, and you're like, uh oh, that's not good. And then he rips off his shirt, right? Yes, and he reveals the real him, and it's the picture of him and CM Punk on a on shirt. On a white shirt. Yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, jeez. Ah, <laughs> oh, beans. He asks Wardlow to bring something. Like, he gets some help from Wardlow, and he, like, smashes Punk's face up. Yeah. I think it's against the steps, Yeah, right? it's against the steps yeah. to the side of the ring. And, and then we get this, like, bloody Pieta with... You know, of course, they're all wearing white. 
Um, and MJF is definitely wearing white, and Punk smears, like, his bloody hand. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making you think he didn't exist, is what Punk says. Uh, what MJF says, and it is a callback to a promo that Punk gave yeah, in, in the, Ring of Honor. In the exact same manner. Um, yeah, did not know that. Yeah, because yeah. they both give it, like, their, you can find, like, side-by-side gifts, but he gives it, like, directly into the camera, just like Punk did. Yeah. And then, Punk, huh. like, as Punk is, like, in his lap, dragging his bloody hand across MJF's white shirt, so you get the picture of the bloody handprint and the photograph, like, so that blood is forever marring, you know, the, the boy MJF might have been. And it's, it's beautiful, <laughs> like, I'm not gonna lie. It's, like, this horrible, like um like beautiful thing actually like, i might i have the high-res version of that and that's when and that's I when mjf that says the he's cover. the de- he's the devil yeah like i'm the devil yeah i'm the de- like that was and so, i'm the devil like, himself. yeah himself the the turn was so good because he's like right next to his face and he goes i'm the-. like i was like whoa it's like, <laughs> it's like the you know like i am batman has become such a meme right but like yeah. that's the fear you're supposed to feel when someone says i am batman <laughs> right yeah yeah or like it, it it was i was like well like like it was just so well executed and it was like the perfect like go home angle because now you want to see what happens next like the perfect go home show has a segment on it for every match on the pay-per-view and it's supposed to be now I want to know what happens next. So I have to, I have to, I have to see this. And though that is what I felt about this match. And when we were at Rampage the next night, like the next Friday, the Friday after the punk promo where his face is just like a bloody mess um and he even says like i'm picking blood out of my ears right Mm -hmm. that was in that one and you want that you want this cm punk like you want that guy like like it was so good oh man it was such a good promo that punk cut and he's covered in blood and he's giving this promo like yelling into the camera and i'm just like the, and the best thing is, like... I'm turned on, but it's like, okay. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't describe um, what it might... Like, I can't imagine what it might have been like sitting at home. But at Rampage, at the show, it was really great because we were all there for the pay-per-view and we're, like, all turning to each other like, holy shit. <laughs> like, like, you know, even people... Because there were a lot of people in that group that, you know, were there largely for the elite. Or, you know, the um, Hangman-Adam Cole match. So there were people that were less invested in CM Punk. But, like, for a lot, for I think several people in our group, it was like, oh, now I'm interested in that match. (laughs) I know um, one of our friends uh, explicitly was like, uh, oh, they think, like, women don't turn in for violence. Well, I am going to be so cheering for that match just to stick it in their faces because I am a woman and I'm here for violence, um, which is really great. Um, Cause like that, you know, and that's the thing, like the dog collar match. I know a lot of people like kind of doubted the, the stipulation or like, do we really need this? But like at that point, 
I think that's like the final nail in the coffin mm-hmm. to yeah. show you like, no, that is the only way this could end is in this like very violent, very intimate, very like erotic mm-hmm. uh, stipulation because I don't think there's anything in wrestling almost more erotic than two men being chained together with <laughs> dog collars. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's it's great too, like, you know, as back and forth just again for a second as back and forth as i've been on cody like the match that he put on with brody like if we didn't have cody we wouldn't have had that incredible dog collar match with brody lee like right before brody lee that was his last match ever you know so there is then a history too in aew of dog collar matches yeah and Oh, I remember what it was. It was Punk was, like, brought up. Piper, yeah. By Rowdy Roddy Piper, who originated the dog collar match, and that was, like, his hero. So, like, there's that extra, like, Punk has also done them, but then it's also his hero originated them, so it's, like, he's keeping that tradition alive. So there's just all of these things mixing in together to make it really cool. the The match at Revolution... MJF comes out, but first you think it's punk because cult of personality plays. How is that? How is that at home, Dan? I was, I was, this is the match I was most excited for. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, here he comes. And then it wasn't him. I was like, oh, god damn. <laughs> you got to do that in person. So it's like, you know, you put your hands up yeah. and like, yeah, look in my eyes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> I was, I was singing. I was so pumped. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it was MJF. And I was like, oh, you. But I will talk, I don't know how it came across on television, but um, being in the arena and, and MJF's in the ring and then this like, it like goes dark, it goes dark. And then this like, like fog starts coming up. I'm hearing this like low rumbling with like some synths in the background. I'm like, what is going on? And then it clicks over in my brain when I hear start hearing the music I'm like oh this is punk's ROH theme. yeah I didn't know what the name of it was but I knew it was punk's ROH theme because I like had a playlist of like CM Punk entrances for like the uh the week after he debuted I was like oh yeah and I was like holy shit this it, is his emo ass this ROH was theme. and I see him walk out in his ring of honor like trunks and the jacket and i'm like he looks serious as death i his face i got chills like this entire thing gave me chills like i don't again i don't know exactly because i can never fully like reappreciate it on screen because i'm always like seeing the version that's on the screen but also the version that i saw like his face was just this grim like he was like a man marching towards death like his face was grimly determined. He was stiff. There was none of that, like, happy-go-lucky. You know, his hair was all He had a bit back. of a smirk on his face when he got yeah. to the ring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, like, when he was marching there, like, it was like a death march. It was like, this, this is it. Um, and he did have kind of, like, a maniacal curl to his, his, his mouth, now that you mention it. Like, you know, yeah. like a little bit of that blood pervert coming out. <laughs> and it, it was incredible. Yeah. CM Punk's entrance was incredible. Like, I, yeah, it was, that's all I got. 
Like, it was this, like, amazing, like, thing that I can't believe I was there to see happen. Like, it was, like, super special. Like, super, super special. And the all-white is also a great choice, because, again, then, like, anytime anyone comes out in all-white in wrestling, it's like, that is getting covered with blood before the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I could say differently if I let my bias shine through, but I might not this time. I think this was the best match of the night. It uh, was. Yeah. yeah. I was waiting for you to try to put the Adam Cole one over. Um, Great in its own way, but different. Yeah, it was good, but it was, it was, it was just like, it kind of had, no offense to everybody else, it just kind of had a regular match energy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was just a cool match. And that's what happens when you take the time to tell a story, right? Yeah. Like, it's, there's so much more weight to what's happening, and it feels different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also think there, there's a definite energy you can feel when something is the end of the feud. Yeah. Like, um, it, I, it, it really has, like, the same energy to it that, um, another match that we did on this show um, the Triple H and Mick Foley feud, um, when they have that match in the cage at SummerSlam, um... No Way Out. Or No Way That's Out, Saka, sorry. right? Uh, that, yeah, Mick Foley is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, like, when they're just, like, bleeding and fucking Triple H's leg is all cut up and they're covered in tacks and they have <laughs> to take Mick Foley out on a stretcher... You know, like, that's that's the same kind of energy. And it it really just, like, you, you feel when it's like, okay, this is over. And, you know, no offense to the Adam Cole. I love Adam Cole. I love Hangman Adam Page. But it was really obvious that it wasn't over then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was not the same note to, as, as this one. Yeah. This, this match was... T- tell me, Dan... Tell me about the things in the match that you enjoyed. Um, huh. So I really like the idea of being, I, I like the idea that the chain being together because a lot of people want to be, want to get distance between each other so you can like do moves and stuff like this doesn't allow that. Yeah. yeah. And then the use of the chain, like throwing him over the side and like yanking it. to like, it's like choking him. Mm-hmm. Is really, it's a really cool visual, especially it's something that is, it, it's, at the start, you already know it's going to be a lot more violent because there's a literal chain. Yeah. Like, like having that as a weapon the whole time is super interesting. Um, but the match itself was, like, incredible. Like, it was, there was a lot of really good stuff in it. But the further in, like, the more blood there is, yeah. and everyone's, like, really fucked up. But once it turned in Punk's, like, when I knew Punk was going to win, when he stood up with the chain and did the Texas Chainsaw, like, the yeah. swing... Yeah, like uh, Leatherface does at the end of one. That's where I was like, "Oh, this is my favorite match. Like this, yeah. nothing is ever going to top this for me." See, and I'm not like I'm a horror fan, but I'm not like a slasher person, so I didn't even catch that. So you catching yeah. that? I mean, hardcore. CM Punk is that he's like a huge goth nerd, right? Yeah, like yeah. he's married to yeah. the world's number one goth nerd in um, AJ Mendez. Like I don't know if you've seen his pictures of his Chicago house, uh, Dan, but it's like. They have, like, two extremely goth bedrooms is the only way I can describe them. Um, <laughs> so, like, he is exactly that kind of guy that would, you know, put Texas Chainsaw Massacre in his matches. Yeah, like, like again, there were pe- moments where, you know, it's always, like, 
ah, like sometimes my brain is just like screaming like that when I'm watching a match, like when Punk goes up to do the Pepsi plunge, which is a terrifying uh, move. That's what it's called. Your, well, when he goes up to the, the corner and he has him and it's like he's going to like kind of, it's kind of like a, like almost like a pedigree or like a, a face buster from the top rope and you land on your knees. And that's something Punk used to do all the time. But now he's like older and I'm looking at yeah. this and I'm like, this is terrifying because your knees. So, but yes, it is called the Pepsi plunge. Yes, it's called the Pepsi plunge. He's a huge, he, he has a Pepsi tattoo. Say, yeah. Yeah. I, I see this. He does really, I know he doesn't drink. So like, is Pepsi just like his go-to? Uh, it, I think he said it used to be. Now he only drinks lime spindrift because <laughs> Pepsi, Pepsi is not good for you yeah. when you're older, you know? Yeah. But I think one time on Twitter, he's like, maybe I'll have a Pepsi after this. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> so there have been jokes about like, I'll drink all the Pepsi for CM Punk. And like the uh, <sighs> Punk bleeding is like an incredible visual. And like when Max goes and gets the tax in the last portion of the match and they have this like, I love a, what I would I like to call attack standoff. Where you don't know who's good. Like, they take so much time building the tension about the tax existing on the mat that you don't know who's going to go into the tax. But when that's happening, you see people stepping in the tax. Like, you see the tax, like, moving about. And I'm just like, oh, who's going to get these? Because I don't know know who's going to get these. Usually, my favorite thing about tax, chairs, and tables is usually the person that sets them up is the person that's going to go through them. (laughs) But... When you have the long drawn off dance, then it makes you question like maybe they're not gonna do that this time. So it's it's building the anticipation is is fun. Yeah. And like the fact that Punk has a finishing move that like needs some setup, like that's one of my favorite things about like any finishing move that needs a setup. So to get up in the GTS, he's gotta get you up on his shoulders, but that requires picking you up and putting you on his shoulders the same way the one-winged angel requires you to be in that electric chair up on Kenny's shoulders and the moments in which you are in that is it can build some incredible tension like someone can maybe they can wiggle out of the GTS or if you're up in the electric chair and Kenny's gonna do the one-winged angel that will finish the match and that's what's really important about having a finishing move that's protected because you know if Punk hits the GTS you're gone. You know, mm-hmm. if Kenny hits the one-winged angel, you absolutely are not getting up from that. Um, so and that's that creates that amazing tension because you know that the match is over if this happens. Like, so mm-hmm. what happens now? Um, so I loved this match a lot, and I'm so glad I was there to see it. Um, like, it was, it was, like, everything about it was incredible. Like, just mm, fucking chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Like the faces he was making when he was covered in blood. Like he's very good at it. Yeah. He knows yeah. how to sell the violence. Yep. 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 And Max isn't too shabby either. <laughs> no, Max is great. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Max running is also really good. When yeah. You realize he's scared. He's like, oh shit. Gotta <laughs> yeah. Go. That's what, like, you saying that he did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing makes me think, like, oh, of course he's a horror fan. Of course. Yeah. Of course he knows he's in a horror doing. movie. He's been in a, yeah, he's been a uh, girl yeah. on the third floor. Third, third floor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, yeah, like he's he's definitely into horror, so I'm not surprised that was a thing he put in there. So good good for everybody. Everybody, you know, as I say so often when the wrestlers do a great job, 
Good job, everyone. Yeah. Great so, job, everyone. And the question you usually ask me that I'll pose to Dan um, here is, did you, did you think this was a good end to the feud? Yes. Oh, this is an incredible finale. Like, even if there's more afterwards, like, this was, I think this is a really, because they're both bringing out the worst in each other mm-hmm. and having it end in blood this way is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And we do have, we do have a question. We did get a question on Twitter. Um, uh, so I will read it to you, Dan, so you can answer it. Cause I think you'd be good at answering this. Uh, so, uh, our friend Mark Quill, uh, who you also know, um, oh, the editor of, uh, Ring Crashers. Yeah, yes. I was gonna say. Uh, if you got to book Punk MJF, what would be the funniest ending you would give it? The funniest ending. I, you know, I, I don't think AEW knows what to do with Danhausen yet. <laughs> So having Danhausen come in and take the middle of the chain and kind of tie them up and take and basically take the match would be really funny. Um, because it is a bloody match and like having someone who's got the weird makeup and all that kind of stuff would, would have been actually a great bit. Yeah. Yeah. But So I don't actually know if you know this, Dan, but Danhausen cannot wrestle yet. He had a rod put in his leg. So they don't know when oh. they don't know when he'll actually be able to come back to wrestle yet. That's he's, interesting he's not that they signed him with that. Yeah, well, it's because he's so good he's at... huge. Yeah, he's so good at what he does. Yep. Like, everything oh, he does. That makes sense. Um, I found... Him, but him showing up his bits is even better, though. Yes, yeah. I agree. I, I did find the questions Charlie usually asks. <laughs> so, um, was... The, you already answered, was the, the match a good conclusion to the feud and story? Um, but what do you think the coolest moment is? I think when CM Punk is sitting and, like... So he's sitting up and he's like holding the chain in his hands and Max is just like down behind him. They're both covered in blood and he's kind of just like, oh, this is, this may be too far. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can find the picture. But like that moment, it was incredible. Where he's kind of just like sitting there. The Oh, it's the thumbtacks are behind him and Max is just sprawled out. He's like, I won. Like that is an incredible moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you change if you could change something? Uh, probably not. I really, I didn't. If the answer is nothing, that's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think we were looking for signs. I didn't even see any signs that night that (laughs) even made me laugh. So, you know what? Strike this one out of the questions. (laughs) I didn't see any signs. I was too, I was too into the match. Like I wasn't looking at that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, give me your star rating. How many how many stars do you want to give this match? Out of oh, five, five, but it can go five over. Stars. It can go over. This is because it uh, six because <laughs> it's, it wasn't super long. It wasn't drawn out. Everything happened in a really concise way, and it ended on a like explosive ending. Yeah. Rather yeah. than it going too far or too many weird things going on or like non sequiturs like things, it was really well planned and executed. So yeah. like. I really enjoyed Six that. stars. Uh, CM Punk now has a six-star match. The same only other person who has a six-star match. Can you make it? <laughs> how, how would you rate it, Charlie? This is, this is five stars. This is five stars. You only get six stars from Charlie if you... <laughs> Can you make it? If you're, uh, you know, st- strictly sticking to what everybody thinks about Dave Meltzer, yes, you only get more <laughs> than six, five stars if you are in the elite. <laughs> 
probably I probably give it five stars. Maybe five and a half. Maybe five point two five. Definitely not six for me. But but it was really 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 great. So yeah, because so, I got to watch the beginning of CM Punk and I got to watch all the way up to this. So that was really cool. I'm really excited. I'm I actually very the, excited to see him. Whatever is going on next. Yeah, I think yeah. this was the first like because the elite has been like a whole saga. So you might not have watched like all of that develop, but this is probably like the first few that, point to point, like the first yeah. big few mm. that you've been able to see point to point, right, Dan? Mm-hmm. Yep. Which yep. is really nice. Yeah, and it's like self-contained, so it's not like yeah. you gotta mm-hmm. go back into the lore, uh, dig into the lore uh, to get there. Um, but yeah, I'm glad. To, I'm so glad that one, Dan, you wanted to be on the podcast, and two, that you. That you like wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. My family so was good. so confused. <laughs> <laughs> That's often the way of these things. Yeah. Um, definitely. I, um, I am so, I'm so excited to see where we are, go, where, like where we go in AEW. Like I'm excited to see Punk. I'm excited to see the, 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 the monster finally catch yeah. up to Punk. Like that, that will be really, really good. I'm excited to see if he does go for the belt. I think the something with Hangman would be a really good point for him to turn. Like, um, that would be cool. Yeah, because I I think he would play off. Like one thing that has been really a constant with me in my dissatisfaction with the way they've been running Hangman's uh, championship run is the lack of focus on Hangman's emotions when that is what makes him really good. Um, like Adam Cole, they were able to play off that sufficiently, but Mm -hmm. I think it suffered from the Brian Danielson thing, just not really stick. Like it was good from a technical sense, but to me, wrestling has to be more than just technical. It was boring. boring, Yeah, it was boring. And it didn't like. Also, when I say time limit draw, uh, the only thing that should ever pop up in anyone's head is Kenny Omega versus Okada. I mean, like, I think there could be other time limit draws. It was just like this. This it me, felt manufactured. It didn't merit it. Yeah, it felt manufactured. And, and we didn't get enough of Hangman's character. Like, if yeah. I can't go and have that be the only feud I show someone and them get what makes Hangman good. Because, like, to me, they just might. If someone's like, that, if that's the first AEW thing I show them, they're like oh, is this what champions are like in AEW? Like, he doesn't seem very dominant. Man, those, uh, uh, those matches with Lakata were great, but yeah. they were kind of boring, but, as Matt Jackson would say. Um, <laughs> but I think what could really work with Punk and Hangman is Punk is, like, especially if he becomes, like, the demon, um, like, he's the fucking, <laughs> like, Jersey Devil hanging on someone's back, you know, or... Yeah. Uh, your fucking what is it? Sleep paralysis demon, um, <laughs> you know, like the per- like like a Donnie Darko esque character, right? Yeah. Where he's just showing up and like making you doubt yourself and twisting all those thoughts in your brain, and like Punk can do that very psychological stuff when he's a heel, and I think that would be really good with Hangman because then, you know, Hangman either has to conquer that or he has to lose like then we get to see that real battle of the wills um which i think up until this point like hangman hasn't really had like he gives a good promo and everything and to be clear i don't think this is the fault of the wrestler i just think he Mm -hmm. hasn't been like 
the program just hasn't quite been there, right? I mean, you come off, well, what did the Dark Order say on BTE? The only horse you've been riding is Kenny Omega's coattails. Uh, you know. I mean, it's hard to step out of Kenny's shadow. Like, it's hard. Yeah. It really yeah, is. Because he's, he's, he, he is. He casts such a un- long shadow. Yeah. Yeah. And his absence has felt like, I think they've done a great job of like doing great stuff while Kenny's been away, yeah. but I miss him. I miss him and his presence yeah, me too. so much. I really do. You notice yeah. how we miss him, but we don't miss Cody. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to say it. Hey, AEW's been mostly banger since Cody left, so I don't know what you want me to say about it. I got no love for Cody <laughs> and ramen hair. But, um, <laughs> it's wild to me, especially to bring it full circle, to think that MJF came in, like his first feud was with Cody. Yeah. That, that had some good stuff in it. Oh, no, it definitely did, but I, I do think, like, you know, obviously I have some criticisms of MJF that, you know, have been mostly alleviated by this point, I think, but it's like, he, he has definitely grown so far. Even I can say like, he's grown so far past, um, Cody even in terms of his storytelling, like, you know, it's not even a, oh, the master has become the apprentice. Cause I don't think Cody thinks he has anything to learn at this point, but <laughs> He understand like he does understand how all of this works, like I think yeah. uh very, very well. And you know, I do think they did the right thing from the jump by splitting him out because having him stay under Cody or under Jericho for much longer than he did would have not allowed him to grow and for us to see the kind of few that yeah. cause, like this this is clear, like he really flourishes being a leader of his own faction, even if there's some missteps along the way. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, thank Sorry, you. it's just wild to me to, to think back. Like, yeah, two I... years ago, that was what was happening. He a lot, was lot, lot, lot of making are... fun of Cody's steak. Yeah, a lot of things <laughs> are going on two years ago. Um, anyway, thank you so much, Dan, for coming on to our podcast. Uh, we will have you back at any time. Um, so happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, if people want to find you and all like the like Rolodex amount of things that you do, where 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 could they do that? Uh, the best place to find all the stuff that I do and my wonderful team. Is that what you call them? Team. <laughs> um, you can find us at Gatecrashers Pod on all social media and our website at Gatecrashers.fan. Mark, who actually asked that question, runs weekly articles on wrestling and things like that. Does a lot of recaps, so you'll be able to catch up if you need to. It's been super helpful for me. So when I'm like, <laughs> oh, I need to watch something, I can just go read these recaps and find what I need. Yeah, Mark's recaps so are really nice. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And then my personal is just at Dan the McMahon. Please follow. That's a, that's a whole other monster. Follow Dan. Uh, Dan is hilarious. Um, that's true. Uh, Dan is very good at his job. Also follow everything that Dan does. And um, when you do that, You'll know enough to tell Dan he has to stop sometimes. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, so that's uh, that's that. If, um, obviously, you like the podcast, please, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at at MatchClubPod. If you like this, please tell a friend. Leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can find us on iTunes or Spotify. Or You can also rate us on Spotify. You can also rate us on Spotify now. Um, I know there is... um, we haven't done a wide breadth of things, but go back and listen. We have episodes that you can listen to. Um, if you like me, 
for some reason and want to find the stuff that I tweet about, um, you can follow me at Genetic Ghost on Twitter where I I sometimes tweet about stuff and sometimes it's horny and sometimes it's not. Um, but I'm almost always talking about wrestling because that's just what I do. Um, you can find Mikey and I's other stuff at comics x fight um where we have stuff and and streams about wrestling and trying to get a hold on getting more content out there um but that's that mikey where can they find you you can find me at quantum dot dot on twitter where i talk about our cats uh elden ring video games tabletop rpgs um hopefully soon stuff that charlie and i will be working on um and you can see all of the things that I have done at quantum dot dot space. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been doing a whole lot lately just because we've been so busy with other things in life, like shipping calendars and going to pay-per-views and uh, putting, getting, uh, going into a liminal space at Epcot. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can get back to that and get back to the podcast. And Okada soon. We'll have a special guest for our final episode of yes. uh, Okada versus Omega. So get so. your notebooks. You still want to write all the lore down. The professor is coming. And yes. no, it's not Serena. <laughs> um, also, you can find our podcast on our website, superkick.party. Matt Nick, I don't know if you listen to this, but I will give you this website. You don't have, you don't need anything. I will, no, nothing. I'll just give it to you. We did uh, finally get uh, the Adidas X Xbox shoes to Adam Cole. Bless. He finally got them. He's <laughs> wearing them at a con today. Good job. We did a great job. Thank you at the Chugs. Um, oh, Dan, FYI, in case you didn't know, UPS can't ship to PO boxes. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know why. Don't ask. Word to the wise. Don't make the mistake that we did and try to ship something UPS to a P.O. box because it will not work. Nope. And the person, if they are a very busy professional wrestler and or streamer, will feel very bad when they can't pick their package up. (laughs) That's my word of advice for today. Yeah, that is today's word of advice. Until next time. Goodbye. Smooch. Good Good night. Bang. Bang.